0: The Associated Press is reporting that Nikki Haley was swamped in Nevada's symbolic Republican presidential primary on Tuesday as GOP voters resoundingly picked the none of these candidates option on the ballot in a repudiation of the, re- of the former UN ambassador, who is the last remaining major rival to frontrunner Donald Trump. That's what the AP says. Just take a look at the following breakdown showing (laughs) that Haley came in second with about 33% of the vote, while the winner of the night was none of these candidates with 60% of the vote. But as the Associated Press said, the primary was purely symbolic. And this is because of a disagreement between the state and the Republican Party there. And, And this is why as the AP reports, Trump didn't compete in Tuesday's primary, which doesn't award any delegates needed to win the GOP nomination. Trump is instead focused on the caucuses that will be held today and will surely help him move closer to becoming the Republican nominee. So I guess the AP actually got just one thing wrong. The, the last remaining major rival to frontrunner Donald Trump is actually none of these candidates. I'm Blake Watson, and this is We The Free. One of the best ways you can help our show other than by sharing the content is by picking up some We The Free merch at wethefreeshow.com. You can be the salt and light you were meant to be by wearing the Salt and Light shirt or by sipping your coffee from the Salt and Light mug. Or you can sport the God Bless America shirt and, of course, the classic We the Free Crest tee. We've even got stickers and a Smells Like Freedom candle. Yes, that's right. So check out our new merch at wethefreeshow.com. Welcome to episode 22. Today's episode is going to be shorter than usual because... Honestly, there's a lot going on in the Watson House this week, but this is also in anticipation for the next few weeks, during which we'll have some really important episodes regarding the general election, global destabilization, and other theological subjects. Plus, I'm sure we'll spend some time next week talking about the Super Bowl that's coming up this Sunday, um, the performances, and honestly, my favorite part, the commercials. Um... I'll suspect. I suspect we'll definitely be talking about Tucker Carlson's interview with Vladimir Putin whenever they put that out. Uh, So uh, that that apparently, so many are terribly worried about because um, this interview may be one of the most, if not the most, historic interview that we've had this decade. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was criticizing the the bigotry and the animosity towards Christianity from TV networks like MSNBC, NBC, and ESPN, with the latter two networks, uh, their treatment of C.J. Stroud, the Houston Texans quarterback. And uh, last week I talked about why I'm pulling for the the 49ers in the Super Bowl. Well, this week I, I got another reason to pull for the 49ers, and his name is Brock Purdy.
1: Brock, let me ask you a question about your faith. Jesus, how you doing? Doing good, how you doing? Good, tell me about scripture this year, some of the Bible verses that you've been reading and passages that's maybe helped you this year. Yeah, this year for me, it's been Psalm 23. Um, yeah, the Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters, and then it goes on. But um, for me, you know, playing this game, playing this sport, there's a lot that goes into it. And, you know, you can, it's easy to get wrapped up in, you know wanting and feeling like wanting to be loved you know obviously by your teammates and everybody but like the world and so um for me like in that in that passage it's talking about you know i already have what i need from from the good shepherd and, and jesus so um i don't know i just been studying psalm 23 uh throughout the whole whole season and been going back to it it's what i start off with actually every single day i just Read off Psalm 23 to myself before I start. Start off with some solitude, and and then I go about my day. I talked to your dad a couple of days ago. He said he prays his guts out when he watches you play. Yeah. Do you pray when you're playing during a game? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, you know, and it's not can we, you know, God, can we win here? Can can we right. do something great here? It's it's more just to have that that peace, that steadfastness, and in, in all the chaos. That's really what it is. It's sinking back into like Holy Spirit, you know, take over and. And lead me here in this moment and allow me to think clearly, allow me to, you know, obviously go through my reads and, and like I said, just uh, have a even killed state of mind that, that I get from the Holy Spirit. So.
0: so that was a great interview from the 49ers quarterback, Brock Purdy. Seems like he's a solid Christian guy given his, I mean, the humility that he had in that interview and, and how he describes his prayer life and his dependence on the Word of God. So in case Mahomes and Kelsey and Swift weren't enough reasons for you to root for San Francisco, there's another one. Now, before I get to our main story of the day, I've got to talk about this. H- have you seen the Apple goggles that came out? Well, <laughs> I know they don't call them that. They they, sh- they should actually be called um, Apple's next stepping stone to a dystopian future. Just watch this commercial, and, and I'll describe it and just... A minute for those of you that are listening
2: Dream You nothing but a What
0: well, can you put your hand? i So you see there this, this dad in the home that's doing uh, all these kind of normal activities around the house for his family, but all the while he's wearing these Apple goggles. Um, these, these companies, these people are either completely unaware of you know dystopian works such as 1984, uh, Black Mirror, Ready Player One, Blade Runner, The Matrix hunger games mad max brave new world etc etc or or they're intentionally trying to destroy human civilization i mean these tech companies keep developing almost the exact technology that we see in these dystopian films and books and tv shows and it's like they either don't know or they're doing it on purpose like as, as much respect as I have for Elon Musk, his company's technological brain implant, which had its first successful patient implant uh, this past week, makes me a little bit uneasy. It's like the monumental development of artificial intelligence. I think every time I hear about it or, or the advancements, I think... Have you all never heard of Skynet? Like, have you never seen Terminator? But, you know, getting back to Apple's Vision Pro, uh, the people in the ad and and the people that you may have seen in clips online this week who have paid an astounding $3,500 for these headsets. They they look like insane people (laughs) riding the subway, the train, driving their cars. Walking around in public, just walking the streets. Um, I want to know what you all think about this in the comments. But I personally think that this will only remove people and detach people even further from reality, which is saying a lot because people are already far removed from reality. And I also think it will mostly just be used for porn. Now, finally today... Um, did you know that Jesus was on The View this past week? Well, not, not the real Jesus. The, the guy that plays Jesus on the Chosen series, which is a fantastic show. I'll talk more about it as we move on. But uh, Jonathan Rumi is the actor who plays Jesus in the series, which is in its fourth season. Um, here's what the ladies on The View had to say. We'll stop and talk about the important parts, but I want you to pay very close attention to how Jonathan answers their questions and responds to their statements.
3: I am a huge fan of the series The Chosen which shows the humanity of Jesus in a way we haven't seen before and highlights him and the apostles in a different way. What's really revolutionary is the way he wanted everybody to be invited to the table. Take.
0: First of all, Whoopi says she's a a fan of The Chosen. I hope that she actually is, but I highly doubt there's any truth to that claim. The things that she says on a daily basis are highly contradictory of what it means to be a follower of Christ. But hopefully, the show does minister to her and she repents of her radical liberalism, uh, spiritually and politically. Now, there's, there's one thing that Whoopi says before she introduces the clip, uh, which you're about to see, which is a, a constant theme you'll hear throughout the, the interview, that Jesus wanted everyone to be invited to the table, or that he did invite everyone to the table, that the real Jesus was inclusive, etc. So here's the clip that they showed. Your obsession with what is clean and unclean goes
2: farther than God intended and does no good for anybody but yourself. We tithe everything so the poor can benefit. Down to the smallest plants grown in our gardens. And to that I say woe to you Pharisees. You tithe mint and dill and cumin, measuring carefully the last speck while neglecting what is actually important of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. You blind guides straining out an act while swallowing a camel. Look at these people.
1: What have you done to help them?
0: Before we get to the rest of the interview, let's talk about this clip. This is taken from Matthew 23, 13 through 36, but it's important to note that the chosen creates most of the dialogue, exterior to the pages of scripture. This isn't adding to the word of God but it's like filling in between the lines. And the director, Dallas Jenkins, uh, writes this show with the help of Jewish and Christian scholars. Uh, trust me, the this, this series is really good, but biblically, this scene that they just showed depicts Matthew 23 when Jesus is condemning the Pharisees. Why is he condemning them? Isn't Jesus all about, you know, loving everybody and being nice to your neighbor? Well, you can obviously see in that clip, and if you read the chapter, that Jesus gave these Pharisees quite the tongue-lashing. But the question is, why? The Pharisees were the religious leaders of that day. They were supposed to be the foremost experts of the Mosaic Law and the Prophets, Uh, They were essentially the governing body of the Jews, though at that time they were all under Roman authority, and they only represented part of the religious leadership. But one of the things Jesus says to them was in, in Matthew 23, verses 23 and 24, it says, "'Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others, you blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. And you could kind of hear the, the character of Jesus say it in that clip, but this really sums up the Pharisees. And we're going to look at one more example from the passage, but Jesus is saying that they were intensely focused on following the the, the smallest, the minutest details of the law, like giving a precise 10% of even their, their garden herbs, yet they were missing the most important aspects of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. He He, he calls them blind guides, and by that he means that They're totally missing the point of the law. They're misleading people. And and he gives another example and actually makes quite a joke out of it. He says that they strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Devout Jews are kosher, which basically means they will not eat anything that is uh, deemed unclean or anything with, with blood in it. Um, And so these Pharisees would literally strain their wine through a gauze so as not to inadvertently eat a gnat, which was, in, in Scripture, the tiniest of unclean animals, thereby they would have defiled themselves. Yet, they'll swallow an entire camel, which was the largest unclean animal. This was just a metaphor for what Jesus was saying, but this had to get a big laugh from the crowd. It's an illustration to show that... They were so caught up in these little tiny details of the law that they missed the big things, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And and this is like the difference between following the letter of the law or the spirit of the law, the heart of the law. And it was their hyper-attention on the letter of the law which led to their just failure in being just and merciful and faithful. But Jesus tells them, Another thing, a few verses later, which we've talked about before on the show. "'Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they're full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. So you, too, outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy.'" And lawlessness. Now, that one is pretty self explanatory, but Jesus compares them to tombs which were, back then they would have been very nice and clean and pretty on the outside, but the outside appearance doesn't change the inner reality. That tombs have dead bodies on the inside, they're full of bones and death, which in that day was to say uncleanness. They're unclean. And he makes it very clear. You all appear righteous. You look that way. You appear that way. You look very virtuous on the outside. But looks can be deceiving because on the inside, you are just like one of those tombs. You're full of hypocrisy, lawlessness, death, and uncleanness. They were, these Pharisees, they were legalistic, Self-righteous, manipulative, burdensome, hypocritical, and lawless. Okay? Who does that remind you of? Who is it in our society that is self-righteous, hypocritical, lawless, unclean, burdensome, unjust, merciless, and unfaithful? Well, here's five of those people. Jonathan
2: Rooney. Hi, Royal. Hi, guys. Wow. I feel like I
3: should bless myself. I feel like like doing this. I got some water here. He's got I some water. I can help the water if you want. I got some water in right here. You we were just saying, at least you're not a blonde, blue-eyed Jesus. Finally. <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. I think we've gone a little more authentic to uh, who Jesus might have actually been. Jewish. There. Yeah. It yeah. Was, yeah.
3: Yeah. That does help. That does. Help.
0: So it's important for Jesus to be accurately played by a Jewish person with brown hair and brown eyes. But every other role reprisal or remake, every every other remake, or reboot can feature a person of opposite color than the original or even the source material, you know, like Snow White and The Little Mermaid, but really this is about white supremacy, which gets confusing because you can't really define white or black because everyone has variations of skin tone and quite the mixture of ancestral backgrounds. Like, Jesus was Jewish, but we don't know if his skin was brown or tan or light brown or olive, but... Thank God his eyes aren't blue because that represents the evil patriarchy.
3: So the show, The Chosen, is a historical drama based on the life of Jesus. The first three seasons had more than six hundred million wow. views, yeah. and yes, and was the most crowd-funded TV series ever. Clearly, you're reaching people. Yeah. You play Jesus. You. Um. <laughs> so is, are you finding that people are having a little bit of trouble in separating you from the part? I oh, already just did. did. <laughs> I already did. Yeah, yes, the but, but, Yes, but it's a whole different question for him yeah. because on a daily basis, right. yeah. people people are responding. So I'm I'm just curious.
2: Occasionally, the line the line seems a little blurred. Um, <laughs> so I, I I try to. Gently just remind people that my name is Jonathan and and not actually Jesus. Uh, I've had people try. (laughs) I'm like, nope, nope, save it for the priest.
4: Jonathan, you have fun with that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Then I gotta answer for it later, so (laughs) So we'll
4: have to atone. But it's easy to see why viewers have taken to you as Mm. this role, Jesus. It seems like a pinnacle role. We've also seen you in episodes. Of hit shows like *The Good Wife*, *The Mindy Project*, um, and this is a fun fact: you used to do voiceover for MTV's *Celebrity Deathmatch*. Oh, okay, I did. Yeah. Very similar yes. uh, to Jesus, <laughs> but those jobs uh, weren't actually paying the bills. So you considered at some point um, kind of giving up on this. How did you decide to stay the course? Yeah.
2: Well, I, you know, I worked here in New York City after college uh, in production. I was a location <coughs> scout, and that was how I made a, a decent living. Uh, but I had started working, uh, MTV Celebrity Deathmatch was the first acting job I ever had. So uh, from that point, I always had a, a curiosity about, like, well, I wonder what this would look like if it went further. And fast forward to the housing market collapsing mm. in 2008. I had booked a few other jobs. I started booking television and I thought, okay, well this is an opportunity to see if I can actually make this work. So I moved to LA and for eight years, uh, I didn't have the safety of the job that I left in New York. So different, different uh, unions and all sorts of uh, complications to do the same thing in LA, but that's not what I was going to LA for. So I had to do all these other jobs, these side jobs, I drove rideshare, I, I uh, worked in catering, all these things that I'd never done before and gotten to the point where I was broke, I was out of money, I was out of food, I was out of even government assistance for food.
0: Jonathan Rumi is about to get to the turning point in his personal story, and I want you to pay attention to a couple things. Listen to the audience, okay? Listen to the audience first.
2: And. The only thing I hadn't done at that point was the thing that was left to do, which was to get on my knees and surrender my entire life and my career and everything that I had up to that point over to God because there wasn't anything I realized I could do on my own.
3: Well, you a believer before that?
2: Yeah, yeah, I was raised with the faith from a child, but it really wasn't until after that moment, um, it was about almost six years ago now, where I just said... Jesus, I surrender myself to you, take care of everything. And that day I received this incomprehensible financial miracle that changed my life. And then three months later, I booked The
0: Chosen. Wow. There's so many stories like this. There's so many testimonies like this where God has shown himself to be faithful through miraculous financial provision. And Jonathan is another example of that. Now, here's the part I really want to talk about. Watch this.
4: My husband and I are huge fans of The Chosen. And it's so interesting because this story's been told so many times. There have been so many different renderings. But this one, it it plays like a, you know, a drama. There's sex, there's humor, there's, there's violence. It has kind of everything you would want. But you stay very true to the original scripture. Why do you think so many people, I mean, 600 million views have tuned in? Why does this resonate with so many people?
2: I think, you know, because of how we really take great pains to make these characters that most people know just from a few lines of scripture, or they they see them in stained glass windows or in statues, uh, we we take them off of those pedestals and make them relatable, real life people with marital problems, with, Mm -hmm. you know, issues of of childbirth and the things that we go through today, the issues that we go through today. So by seeing, essentially, ourselves in these characters, like any great TV show, you start to identify. And yeah. then the fact that it's this story, that it's the greatest story ever told, now brings it to a whole other level. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I can relate to Jesus in a way that I never thought I could.
0: Alyssa Griffin says she and her husband are huge fans of The Chosen, saying, there's sex, there's humor, there's on and on and on. Um, no, there, there is no sex. There is zero sex. Uh, don't let that dissuade you from watching the show. But Jonathan is absolutely correct in his description that they've made these biblical characters super relatable, yet true to the text. It's impressive, but let's keep going. It
4: really is relatable. Uh, One of our crew, Zach, came to me months ago and said, I'm Catholic, Mm. you gotta watch this show about (laughs) Jesus. I was like, I know a lot about Jesus, and I don't, obviously. Um, I think but there's always more to learn. There's always more to learn, and yeah. and, and what that's you're so profound. I, I think what was fascinating to me is growing up, I always saw the blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus,
3: mm. yeah.
4: right? And now I go to a black Catholic church, and Jesus is is brown. Yeah. Um, and 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 I think you. It seems that you took such great pains to do that in in this and to portray him as he probably likely was since this was the Middle East. right? Most people don't know that. And he's also Jewish. Mm -hmm. Um, So the show explores that uh, the way Judaism is woven into the story in such a beautiful way. Your cast is extremely diverse. Was that important to you and to your director, Dallas Jenkins, Mm -hmm. when this was coming together? Was that intentional?
2: Yeah, absolutely, so so Dallas is the creator of the show. We have two other writers in addition to Dallas, and they wanted to to bring to the screen the most authentic portrayal of Jesus and his disciples in this story mm. and its roots and its Jewishness and the diversity of the people and the colors and everybody that would have lived in these next to these seafaring towns they were port cities yeah. so you had people from all walks of life right. all co- all colors uh, all shades that came through this 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 place yeah. and so it only felt right to just depict what would have been truly authentic
0: sunny Hostet admits she's not really a believer but a staff member encouraged her to watch the show. She complains about white Jesus again and says she goes to a black Catholic church with a brown Jesus. I'd love to know more about that. But uh, when Jonathan responded to her question about the diversity of the show, notice he didn't define uh, diversity in the same way that they do. They would define diversity similar to like DEI initiatives. Gender and and sexual diversity, color diversity, uh, except for white people, definitely not white people, no Christians, no Jews, no Asians, uh, and definitely not white men. Oppressors are bad. And I'm trying to be super careful when I say this, but Jonathan is incredibly Christ-like, he, he he's obviously so filled with the Holy Spirit, like led by, controlled by the Holy Spirit. They are acting as if he's like the real Jesus. It's like you heard Joy Behar when he sat down at the desk, and she felt like she needed to to bless herself. She said, "It's it's like they're uncomfortable around him with his his presence. They're they're nervous to have him there, and and they're." almost taken aback by some of his, some of the things he's saying. But let's keep going.
3: In the clip that we saw earlier, which shows Jesus speaking up for marginalized people, the poor, etc., cetera, uh, which is the Jesus that we love. Mm. Um, not everyone interprets that message the same way these days. Religion in this country even seems weaponized at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a man of deep faith, which you obviously are, does that frustrate you at all?
2: you know in in that clip we see Jesus basically taking to task the Pharisees that have essentially perverted the law or 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 taking the faith and made it about the the specificity in the letters of the law versus the heart of the law versus the community you know it was they were taking great pains to follow the law at the expense of the followers and there was injustice in that and you know, anytime you see injustice taking place, um, Jesus is not going to be happy about that. And so I think I think the fact that we we see him speaking his mind about it, I think uh, he gave us a really tough example to follow. You know,
0: Joy Behar describes Jesus in the clip as the Jesus we love, because in her words, he was sticking up for the marginalized people. The truth is that Jesus was just helping people, period. But here's what these ladies, and just liberals in general, mean when they talk about Jesus. And it's just like the, the, the Jesus Gets Us commercials, I'm sure you're going to see during the Super Bowl. Um, to them, the, the real Jesus, the authentic Jesus, was someone who simply just tolerated everyone's sin, who didn't care how you lived your life, who didn't say anything about repentance or sinning, uh, sinning no more, who who didn't exclude anyone, who just accepted everyone just as they were, etc., etc. In other words, woke Jesus. But in reality, you you can literally see it in the clip. We we read it from the text. Jesus condemned people who were legalistic, self-righteous, manipulative, burdensome, hypocritical, and lawless because they were misleading His flock. They were a massive spiritual hindrance to countless souls. And at the same time, Jesus called sinners to repentance. The the very group that they're referring to as the the marginalized, He called those people to repentance. Yes, he, He spent time with those that were considered unclean by those same religious leaders, but he also told those same people to go and sin no more. Like a couple stories, are read about the woman at the well, read about the adulterous woman in John chapter 8. The real Jesus was an immaculate balance of truth and grace. And the two things never contradicted each other. The real Jesus was one who truly loved, which is not how they would ever define love, which sometimes means telling people the things they don't like to hear, because it can ultimately set them eternally free from bondage. But none of these people would know the real Jesus, even if he was sitting at the desk with them, because it's probably been years since they read the Word of God, if they've ever read it before. Honestly, and and I mean honestly, I hope this show, if they do watch it, has the same effect on them as it has had on others, countless others, that it drives them into the actual pages of Scripture to meet the real Jesus, and that they turn from their ways, they pick up their cross, and they follow Him for real. Props to Jonathan Rumi for answering those questions well and for the fantastic job they're doing over at The Chosen. I can't wait to see season four. Well, that's going to do it for me. What'll it be next time? We'll see. For now, go and be the salt and light you were meant to be. And we'll see you next time on We The Free.